Hey y'all, welcome back to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 208, I'm chatting with Andy Crouch, author of The TechWise Family. Is actually to have moments as a family where you talk about what have been our best moments? Like what what's been the high the flourishing moments in our family? It's very unlikely people will say, oh, that time we made it to level 16 on whatever video game. The kids and parents will remember moments that had this quality of kind of real authority, real vulnerability. Family life is up and down and and some of it's routine and some of the, at the end of the day, we just want a break. And, you know, I get that, but we can start planning more times like that. And basically all of them require a kind of risk and I would almost say most of the time I think the the first third is not great when brainstorming a title for this episode I told my husband Bruce I kind of want to call it everybody listen to this one (laughs) because it's such I mean beyond just technology so many great things that Andy brings up in this episode last week Ashley and I talked about the evils of the internet and how to put on a virtual seatbelt for your kids In this episode, Andy and I talk about how do we bear the image of God? How do we as families create time and space and put technology in its place so we can flourish? It's a beautiful conversation. I'm hoping it will inspire you. As we head into summer, it's so hard to not lean on uh, the devices of this world to make life easier, uh, myself included, but I hope we are inspired to think uh, differently about them. Before we get to that, though... I'm so grateful I get to do this show because of sponsors like FabFitFun. I've been telling y'all about them this month. I'm hoping you've gone and checked them out over at FabFitFun.com because then you would see what I'm talking about when I say seasonal subscription box. It's basically a box that comes to your door, free shipping with full-size beauty, lifestyle, fitness products in it, valued at over $200, and you're going to pay only $39.99 with the coupon code GCM. I'm telling you moms, we need to take care of ourselves. I have found that the things that came in my box are like feeding something in me that I didn't know I needed to be fed, um, a care of my body that I hadn't been pursuing. And even just, I took a little girl's trip this weekend and being able to use some of the products that were in that box, like the makeup case to carry my things in so that I didn't feel just completely out of sorts. I felt a little bit more put together when I'm with these other girlfriends. And then I use the sunscreen to protect my skin that, you know, last November I was diagnosed with melanoma, just trying to take better care of myself so that I can pour into the people I love better. If you want to check them out, go to fabfitfun.com. Use that coupon code GCM. All right. Let's get to my conversation with Andy. Here we go. Hey, Andy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm thrilled to be talking with you today. Well, you know, I've been chasing you down for a couple of years, and I think we, <laughs> we made it happen. We made it happen. You came to uh, my church for the recovery program and did an excellent two-night series on image bearing. Yeah. It was uh, perfect for the communities that gather there and just reminding us of truth. And I left feeling like my moms and dads who listen need this. We need this perspective reminder. I love how you do big picture. 
that then goes to every day. And so um, I think before we even get to technology, I'd love to chat about that. Sure. I always have guests introduce their families. So if you would do that real quick, that'd be awesome. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Uh, I'm married to Catherine. Uh, we're coming up on 25 years pretty soon. Congrats. And we have our son, Timothy, who's 21. Uh, he is in Texas now. So we now have a connection to uh, the great uh, the great nation, <laughs> Texas, uh, at, at Rice University as a student there. And then our daughter is 18 and about to graduate from high school. Her name is Amy. Uh, so that's our immediate family. And then both of us were very fortunate. Our parents are still living and uh, we actually live in my wife's hometown. So we're very close to her parents and part of a really grateful for extended family on both sides as well. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So I did a little nod to image bearing. You uh, presented some two by twos in your talk, <laughs> which I was like obsessed with. I think afterwards I started creating my own. Um, So tell the person listening, catch them up on what we're talking about with that. (laughs) Well, I have borrowed this simple device from kind of the business world, the consulting world of taking two ideas and putting them on like a XY type chart, a two by two chart. And when you take two ideas and combine them in all all the different ways you can, you know, all all around that kind of four boxes, um, sometimes you discover really interesting things. So I have concluded that one of the best ways to think about image bearing is, uh, that is our our bearing the image of God, is two things that we have in a way that no other creature does, uh, namely authority and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I I think those two actually go together. Uh, They're meant to go together. Uh, But of course, you can have one without the other. You can have authority without vulnerability. You can also have vulnerability without authority, and you can have neither one, and that's what the two-by-two is. It's those four options, both of them, neither of them, one or the other, Um, and it turns out to really help illuminate sort of what goes right in human lives, like our moments of greatest flourishing, and what goes wrong in human lives and and where it goes wrong. And if you all can picture in your mind, like (laughs) a T or – I don't know, how how do you describe it when you're using auditory (laughs) – well, it's, it's really tough. I mean, it, and this, you know, it, it brings back math for some people, which is okay. Traumatic. Yeah, plus sign. Yeah. Yes, there we go. There we like go. Like <laughs> that would be much easier than what I'm describing. Um, so, authority on one line, the vertical line, and vulnerability yeah. on the horizontal line. Yeah, exactly. So then up into the right is high authority, high vulnerability. I actually think this is where all flourishing happens. It's certainly what parenting is like, you know, so as a parent, especially when my children are small, I have a lot of authority in their lives, but it's also incredibly vulnerable to be a parent in in ways that honestly, our children uh, can't imagine. Uh, And we only realize it like when we grow up and realize what our own parents were going through as we were living our little lives. Um, yeah. So up into the right is where we want to be, but then you have authority without vulnerability, which I would call control, which we try to <laughs> raising my hand here. <laughs> <laughs> that's my quadrant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's well, indeed that's kind of, so this is what uh, the serpent promises in Genesis yes. three. Uh, he says, if you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. That's So he's saying you'll have all the authority you want. And then the woman protests and she says, but uh, but God's told us if we eat it, we'll die. In other words, we're vulnerable. We're dependent on God. And the serpent says, no, you shall not surely die. And those two promises, you shall be like God, 
which is high authority, and you shall not surely die, which is lower vulnerability than you think, basically say you can have control. God doesn't want you to have control, but you can grab it. Um, and this is the basic uh, lie, I would say, of idolatry, of all false gods. It's the, it's actually the basic lie of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, technology promises a, us a kind of control over the world. Um, and it's so a lot of us try to get to that upper left corner. <laughs> well, and I think but, it's important in this conversation we're about to have for us parents to not go to this place of extreme uh, feeling like, well, I need to know all the filters and I need to have all the things and I need to have uh, all the right tools and I will wow. then be God over my kids and technology, oh, which, <laughs> wow, yeah, and make that That's the good. idol even. Completely, completely. And it will not work. You cannot have control, not over people, not over – I mean, you know, the thing about control is you can have it over very simple systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people once thought the whole universe was like a clock, uh, you know, a big clock, but still like a very simple system. And we now know that's not even, that's not true, uh, of the universe as a whole. Um, and it's definitely not true of people, uh, even, you know, something like filtering the internet, right? Uh, which is absolutely something we should have basic filters and the best filters that we can easily get in place for our own, uh, all, for everybody's protection, not just kids. Um, but it's such a complex system that you can't actually filter it in any um, controllable way. And the attempt to get control of um, the way other people, the choices other people make, including our children, <laughs> uh, is always a dead end. So I'm always trying to think in terms of flourishing, not in terms of control. It's so good. It's so good. And you had pointed out uh, in the recovery system how we some of us just have more functional idols than other we can say oh you know i don't need recovery i'm not as bad as them but the same heart issue is there and and to recognize that even in our parenting of how we're the pride or the control can right lead us in that box so what other boxes do we have on this little quadrant well, you'd have the opposite of control. So control is authority without vulnerability. But then the other corner is is uh, what I would call suffering, which is vulnerability without authority. That's when you're really exposed to risk or pain and you can't – you have no – you know, authority is not just having a – like a title or a job, it's it's having the capacity to act. And so often in life, we are incredibly exposed to risk uh, and and loss, and we can't change our circumstances. And and this is really where the dream of control comes from. Is once you've experienced suffering, which would be the lower right corner on that two by two, we start to imagine or or seek a life of control. Um, but actually, the great like irony of the human story is it's our quest for control that actually leads to much of our suffering. Um, and it's it's the woman and the man believing that lie about the fruits that actually distances them from God and exposes them to risk. Um, and then the lower left corner, that would be low authority, low vulnerability, I would call safety. Um, and every healthy human life starts out there. Like we, we want our children, we, we don't want them to be too vulnerable. So we do all, everything we can to protect them. Um, and on the other hand, we, uh, actually initially protect them from even having much authority. Like you shouldn't give a one-year-old a lot of authority. (laughs) Um, but the goal of parenting and in a way, the goal of 
every human life. But I think in a way, God's plan for all of humanity as his image bearers was to leave safety, like the Garden of Eden was a pretty safe environment, and to actually move into greater and greater authority. And that also means taking on greater and greater risks. Mm-hmm. Um, so really the whole human story is is what was meant to be for us is this flourishing that's high authority, high vulnerability. We've all ended up in suffering, which is vulnerability without authority. And so we're all now looking for either safety or control in some combination. Um, but that's not really the best place or the place we're meant to live. Yeah, I loved how your example of the safety, the left um, bottom corner was a cruise ship. <laughs> It's kind of at the mercy of whoever's driving. It's full of comfort, but there's not a lot of control. Um, yeah, wow. I think our video games. I, I often think as a parent, for me, I have four boys. I don't know if you, I told you that. Uh, you know, yeah, I have yeah. four boys. So chaos, messes, <laughs> those are my options. If I don't uh, choose what seems to be the safe and controlled option, which is a video game or a screen or wow. something to keep that chaos from happening. Um, So that, that is what is at play for a lot of parents, right? It's creating like a cruise ship environment for our kids, but there's not flourishing. There's not abundance, right? Oh my goodness. I think that's such a good way to put it. And, you know, I I was talking with a mom recently who said, you know, the thing about an iPad, when you had to hand a two-year-old an iPad uh, versus uh, other things they might do is you can clean the iPad very quickly. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, exactly right. It's a blank piece of glass. You just run a cloth over it and all those fingerprints are gone. Whereas if you get out the finger paints or have them play outside and come in and bring who knows what in and track things in, like there's a lot more mess to clean up from, well, really life in the real world or the embodied world, I'd say. Yeah. And part of the appeal, I think, of these virtual experiences is how um, – in a way, how, how, how few dimensions they involve and, and how, thus how easy they are to control and they can feel pretty safe. Um, and at the same time, you know, here's the thing, uh, video games in particular, but really a lot of screen based entertainment, uh, especially the more engaging stuff, uh, it actually simulates authority and vulnerability. So it simulates mm. authority. in the sense that you, you're asked to take action and like, you know, let's say you're, um, you know, playing one of these kind of first person shooter games, which boys love where they like get to be a warrior and like, you know, navigate through this, uh, really amazingly rendered environment and take out the bad guys. So they're experiencing authority and within the game, they have a kind of vulnerability. Um, the only problem is it's, it's just a simulation and it's not actually developing very much in us. It's developing certain things. I mean, probably fast twitch motor skills to some extent. Um, but it's nothing like being, first of all, thank goodness in a way, it's nothing like being a warrior in the real world, which is, is actually uh, very traumatic for people who live through that. Um, and it gives you kind of a false sense of your own capacities. It kind of misleads you in all these ways about the, what the world is really like and trains you to expect the world to be easier than it is. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. I think it's like, there's something in our boys or in, you know, girls are playing these Fortnite games now too. And there's something Mm -hmm. in them that as image bearers long for that authority, long for that vulnerability. And given the 2018 world, these are the options for them. It's not, you know, I, if I was living in agricultural times, I mean, the neighbors would be coming for miles for my boys help. Like we would have outlets for authority and vulnerability. Oh my gosh. But that's not, really, 
insightful. Not a lot of outlets for them in 2018. Uh, In fact, I'm often met with the perspective of, I'm so sorry you have boys. Ah, wow. Wow. Amazing. A total inverse of, you know, the the reverse, uh, a kind of misogyny in human history that thought, you know, gosh, uh, girls are no use, which of course is just as bad. But it's it's a flip on its head. And so then, so how my boys justify when all their friends are playing Fortnite, mom, can you please let us play Fortnite, please, 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 (laughs) is mom, it's like the end of a world game. When the end of the world comes, we will know what to do. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Really? You'll be able to pick up a controller and make things happen? That's not actually giving you the skill set <laughs> to survive in an apocalyptic world. Yeah. But wow. that's the that's even their idea. Like that's what they think. So I, I totally feel like this two by two really mm. does help us not just mm. think technology's bad. We need to we need to protect and control and keep our kids from it. No, no, right, completely. But this is how we're made. Yes. Oh, that's 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 exactly right, and and that's why I, I uh, you know, I, one of the ways I introduce this new book, TechWise Family, is I, I say people assume it's about screen time limits for kids, <laughs> and I always want to emphasize it's actually about really not about any of those things. So it's not really about limits. Um, not that. It's absolutely right. In parenting, we have to set limits and boundaries for our kids, but that's not what the book is is fundamentally about. Um, it's not actually just about screens because the uh, that's so interesting what you said about just a, even one generation ago, let alone two or three ago. Your boys, um, how I don't know their ages. What ages? Six are they? to twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, by twelve years old, my gosh all kinds of capacity to work in the world and and make a difference in the world, right? Of an agricultural world. But even long before we had screens, we introduced this, uh, all these things that I group under the heading of what I call devices. And devices are basically things that, that work on their own without requiring our own skill. Hmm. So you think about how we get from place to place. You used to have to ride a horse or walk, I suppose, but you know, now you're driving a car. Well, a car is a device, whereas a horse is like this complex fellow creature that has to be cared for and that there's a certain element of risk in riding a horse that maybe isn't in riding a car, especially these days. Um, but over time, we've literally filled our environment with devices, even before we got the screens, that took away all the things that human beings do to have kind of divinely granted mastery over the world. And I do think there's something that is generally typical of, of boys and of men, not exclusive to them, but I think boys and uh, boys, as they're growing up, they really want to feel like they've mastered something or Mm -hmm. that they've made a contribution. And, and girls also have this, but girls have other motivations uh, as well. And, and we now have no way for them to really actualize that and now we have these screens that will give that it kind of gives it back to them but in an entirely detached way um like a mimicry like a false mimicry yes yes exactly so it's way deeper than the screens it's really the question of how do i restore for my children uh things that require skill require active engagement then engage them in in all that they are, including their bodies, their physical selves, their strength, their uh, ability to learn physical skill, um, and, and give them an alternative to what is otherwise really the only kind of fully engaging thing left, which is these simulations that are available to us now. So what solution do you have? 
Because <laughs> it feels like sometimes we do this look back like, oh, man, I wish it was like. and we, it, But we can't. We are mm-hmm. in the time we're in. And yeah. the images, the the I mean, like you had pointed out in the book, we're in a restaurant and the screens are all around us. We have to position mm-hmm. our bodies to choose not to see a screen. And even then, that can be really challenging. Um mm-hmm. You can make choices as a family. We're not doing screens at meals, but then all the screens are all around. And so yeah. we live in 2018. What encouragement do you have for the mom? Let's say she's all sold out. Like she's like, yeah, I want to have these commitments. I want to be yeah. wise with technology. I want to give my kids outlets. But um, yeah, well, <laughs> give her some well, encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, everything you say is Totally true. And, uh, it's a real challenge. And, and first of all, we should not beat ourselves up, uh, for, uh, how hard this is because the, the culture around us is absolutely, uh, swimming in, in the other direction. And it is super hard to, um, choose a different way. But at the same time, here's what our family found. All that stuff that we're made for, like the real stuff, the natural world, the the world of real relationships and conversations where you actually look in, into someone's eyes and, and can tell what they're thinking and feeling as you're speaking and that changes what you say and then you go deeper than you thought you could. All, you know, all that stuff is still there. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't totally disappeared. Um, but in order to find it, we have to make room to find it. And the way I think about it is in terms of um, maybe we can talk about time and space. So time, I I do think this rhythm, uh, even if it's just an hour a day, which uh, is kind of the baseline for our family, an hour a day, we turn off all the devices. And and by the way, I don't just mean screens. We actually, most nights at dinner time, which is our hour in our house, we turn off the electric lights and we light candles if it's the time of year when you need to uh, light. And everything changes when you turn off the electric lights um, and light candles, like around the table. For one thing, uh, as you get to the age Catherine and I are at, your spouse suddenly has the glow of youth again, which is awesome. Like, <laughs> she's so, you know, I look like that young man that she once married. Catherine's yeah. been beautiful all along. But anyway. It's magical. Uh, it's magical. It's romantic. But then conversations change. And yeah. and. Uh, and the kids actually love it. Like at all ages, they love candlelight and they love that special kind of environment. And you're thinking like, I'm picturing the mom right now. Cause I know my listeners too well, probably yeah. she has the two year old and the newborn. And she's oh, like yeah. an hour is like a dream. I might get 10 minutes at a table with my kids. You're, you're oh. talking that, that age group right. more that I I'm in. That. Yeah. That's... Yeah. 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 No, that's good. But well, <laughs> so maybe you don't sit at the table for an hour and we rarely do in our family though. Sometimes you just get caught up in conversation. It's yeah. awesome. But, yeah. It's I mean, the best. It's the best. My husband but, and I fortunately both ha- came from families where that was a high priority. Uh, so it is for us, but I think yeah. that it's not the case for everyone. And I think yeah, I, get, I get it. that young so, mom, she could do other things in that hour. So I might just say, think about what seems realistic to do and just like maybe multiply by 1.5 or multiply by two, do something that stretches, right? So for our family, maybe the biggest stretch is one day a week where we pretty much, we certainly turn off all the screens. We don't turn the lights off for 24 hours a week. Um, And then one week a year for us. And um, this is the biblical principle of Sabbath. Um, It's the most 
just uh, alarmingly neglected commandment, I mm-hmm. think, in our world. And our devices are not designed to keep the Sabbath. <laughs> now, yeah. actually, my my stove in our house, it has a Sabbath mode because uh, faithful Jews still keep the Sabbath, like seriously. And, and so some ranges, kitchen ranges, come with a way to set it uh, for a Sabbath mode. But my iPhone certainly does not have a Sabbath <laughs> mode. Um, and we have to choose it, but it is possible. And when you make that space, even if it's, even if it's 20 minutes a day, if that feels like the max you can imagine right now or half of Sunday or whatever, like just choose something that feels like a stretch and you'll actually discover things to do together. Um, and this would be another key thing is we, we do have to commit to doing this together. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the advantage of the screen based entertainment is it can be very individual. Uh, but if you're going to really enjoy the world that God actually made for us, <laughs> we're meant to do that in relationship with each other. And so you make a little more time and you try to scale that up. For us, it's now two weeks of vacation in the summer where I turn off all my email. We minimize screens. I mean, we might use it to check the weather or something, but we really minimize it. And and you just discover all these things to do. Um, so I don't want to be unrealistic, you know, in where I know how hard it is to start this, but I would also say once you start doing this, you discover how good it is after you get over that initial resistance, uh, but from both parents and kids. <laughs> yeah, that is that is exactly true. We had spring break and we saw kind of the addiction and how it was infecting relationships um, mm. negatively and how we were using it so that we would quote unquote get a break, but it really wasn't a break because the whole time break. they yep. were actually fighting more and – so we came home, we're like, that's it, I'm collecting everything, or taking a week off. And of course, they were like, what? But it was amazing how slowly they started pulling out things that they had forgotten uh, about, or they were outside more. And yes, they uh, maybe made more messes, but there was a creativity that came out that's uh, worth the push. So I don't have this figured out. I don't want you to think that because of that example, I do. But before we get into Andy's help on when a spouse isn't as interested in giving up these devices, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor, Preptish. I have mentioned them before, but maybe you missed it. What is Preptish? Okay, y'all, they help us save time and energy on meal planning. Every Friday, I get an email and it has a meal plan for the week that is paleo or gluten-free, whatever you want. And I get a grocery list from them that is broken down into sections of the grocery, which is so helpful and little numbers next to it that tell me which grocery item goes with which meal. Um, So I can decide if it's a meal I'm skipping, I just cross that out of the grocery list. Then it has a prep list. So it tells me how to get everything ready so that the week I'm I'm going to be cooking, most of my meal prep is finished. The night of, I am just warming things up or cooking some things or putting piecing things together, and it simplifies my life. If you're curious, go check out PrepDish.com forward slash GCM, and they're going to let you try it out for two weeks free if you use the code GCM. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Andy here we go. Here's the question I have for you that I got from some listeners. You mentioned if parents are both on the same page. What if uh, the mom is all bought in? She is like highlighted yeah. your entire book 
And the <laughs> husband is, is he might, I mean, oh, I even think I have an addiction. I think a lot of us have addictions to our phones, but possibly yep. he's the one with, you know, the video games and the the golf on TV or all the things. He's on all of the devices at once and doesn't see the big deal. Yeah. Well, this is definitely the case in my family. I'm the problem. Uh, <laughs> my wife, my, it's, it's very ironic. My wife's a scientist. She's a physicist. Like she works with really high technology. She kind of builds the stuff that leads to the technology in her lab. But at home, like she has no dependence on it at all. And I have a lot of tendency towards dependence. So, uh, so I, I reckon I resonate with that. Um, <laughs> It's like so many things that, you know, there's no easy answer and there's no one size fits all answer. Mm-hmm. But I do think, oh gosh, how would I, how would I go about it? I, I think most, most men want to be great dads and they want to be great husbands. Um, but they do, there's a certain amount of confrontation and helping people, helping people see what's missing uh, my wife has had to do this. Like she's, and my kids have had to do it. I mean, my kids have had to, and sometimes they've done it even when they were young, they would do it without even knowing they were doing it, but they would just express like disappointment that I was sort of half present or not present at all, honestly, or it had to get to kind of an acute moment where I was withdrawing in various ways. And my wife has been very faithful to confront me at those times. And I often do not like it at all <laughs> in the moment. But, but then I really do realize, I, oh, I want something better than the, the way I, the patterns I'm falling into. I think you can, uh, I, again, I think it helps to start small, like maybe not say, how about we take two weeks of summer vacation with no devices for anyone? <laughs> but, but, you know, let's – are we getting enough time to talk with our kids? Have you noticed that as the kids get older, um, you know, there's this dynamic, right? When they're small, they pursue you. They come after you. But as they get older, you have to pursue them. And I think that transition – I don't know. It happens for different kids at different times. But 9, 10, 11, 12. And um, I think dads often resign themselves to that when, in fact, this is the moment to start pursuing your kids. Uh, that is pursuing relationship with them, pursuing conversation. And and it's just hard to do that when there are screens in the way. So I just would encourage people to lovingly and incrementally and directly confront when you see that people in your family are missing out on relationships, whether it's between brothers and sisters or between parents and kids or between the two parents, um, dare to confront it. It's made a big difference in our marriage that my wife has been willing to do that. I love that idea. I love the start small. If it's a, Hey, how about we try, you know, for one meal or whatever the situation is like, whatever's like you pointed out stretching and see, um, see what positives come out of it or I made yeah. a comment, the dopamine's released and didn't that feel good when we, you know, yes. had that conversation? Didn't it feel good when we took a hike, uh, around whatever and built that you know, fort outside or with, you know, blankets inside. Yeah. 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 That's really good. And in fact, uh, I think a useful thing, uh, and it's really good to involve kids in this once they're old enough you know, to sustain the conversation, this might not work with a two-year-old, of course, but is actually to have moments as a family where you talk about what have been our best moments. Like mm. what, what's been the high, the flourishing moments in our family? 
it's very unlikely people will say, oh, that time we made it to level 16 on <laughs> you know, whatever video game. Um, people will rem- kids and parents will remember moments that had this quality of kind of real authority, real vulnerability. Um, and then it's not that every day, I mean, family life is up and down and it, and uh, some of it's routine and some of the, at the end of the day, we just want a break. And, you know, I get that, but we can start planning more times like that. And basically all of them require a kind of risk and I would almost say most of the time, I think the, the first third is not great. In other words, if you think about the moments in your family's life when it was just the best times you've had, I bet that many of them started out not ideal, whether yeah. it was a trip that kind of went wrong or the kids were really crabby in the car for the first three hours or, um, or whether, you know, there's any number of scenarios. Um, and you have to realize Good things come on the other, on the other side of difficulty and all creativity and all real life, I think, is on the other side of boredom. Like, you know, boredom is this sign. I've come to think that there's something better for me and I feel it. I like feel dissatisfied with where I am. But if I can just turn to distraction every time or tune out or, you know, put in the white earbuds and ignore my family or whatever, um, I never find out what's on the other side. So part of the role parents have is to get through that first third. And so it's like literally like the first third of dinner, the first third of the week without uh, screens, uh, the first third of the I, – I talked with one mom recently who, who had a whole summer with her kids who are about your kid's age, um, boys, without screens. And they thought it was going to be horrible. And for the first three weeks of the summer, it was horrible. <laughs> and then she said the last two months of the summer were – like she couldn't believe the creativity that came out of her kids and they started putting on plays and they started doing all the stuff that she had never imagined they'd do. So my boys are going to love that. I'm talking to you. (laughs) Oh, I am so aware. I'm going to be to a whole generation, the author of that little red book that my mom or dad read that (laughs) that ruined the first third of my life. But I hope that they will come to say the next two thirds were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so true. Yeah. So much of what you said, we, on that spring break, we went putt-putting and it had been, my mom had lived with us the year before. And so we hadn't been just the six of us for a long time and it did oh. not go well. It was like <laughs> the worst. And my personality is, you know, all or nothing. Give up. If it's not going well, just give up. Uh. Try the next thing. Inconsistencies, all that jazz. And so I was like, we are the worst. We need to, we need to seek out help. What is wrong with us? We're a mess. We can't even play golf together. And, you know, give us a few days. And I, my husband's like, well, let's try again. Let's try to play golf uh-huh. again and talk through ahead of time, like how we wait for our brothers before we head oh, on to the wow. next hole. And it was so much better. Oh, my goodness. It was Amazing. like give ourselves a second chance. And I think there was one other example. I don't know if it was a hike the first time and this first is the second time. But I saw how I can't quit just when it's hard or I try a limit and it gets pushed back. That can't be what decides whether I stick with the limit. And the, you know, in a way, the only difference in a way between us and our grandparents, let's say, 
is that we now have the option to opt out of mm. those difficult things that have always been part of what it is to be family. And they're part of what it is to grow as a human being. But we now can choose, um, if we let ourselves choose, to just decide, well, that didn't go well and give up. And, you know, people didn't have that choice before because they didn't have unlimited Netflix and they didn't have, <laughs> you know, the new release of Fortnite. Yeah. And, uh, and now we have to choose it. But all... It is so right that on the other side of that are really good things. I mean, better than you can imagine. And real growth, not simulated abilities, but real ability to like love one another better and to do things in the world that we never imagined we could do. So good. So good. You had talked about time, and that was your Sabbath example. You also have mm. talked about space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are. This was something that kind of emerged over time in our family, but but we decided gradually to rearrange our furniture, like literally <laughs> to re, like redecorate our house. Um, decorate isn't quite the right word. We didn't <laughs> colors, but we changed where things were, and we put creativity and things that require active skill at the center of our home, like the literal physical center. So if you walk into our, our, our home, which is a small house, it's kind of an open first floor. Um, and that's where most of the family spends most of the time when we're awake. Um, and we, we got rid of all the things that work on their own. Uh, I guess the refrigerator is still there. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Like, uh, and we do have electric lights, you know, but we turn those off. Like I said, so there's a piano, a grand piano, which we paid a lot. We actually spent our children's college savings on the grand piano because <laughs> any kid can go to college, but like how many kids get to grow up with a grand piano? Right. Yeah. So it takes up a big ton, a ton of space in that room. But then there, there was a craft table when the kids were small with all these art supplies for making messes, but also being creative. Lots of books. There's a fireplace, the original like screen, the original glowing rectangle that is absorbing, but but it, you actually have amazing conversations around it. And of course, we're just fortunate that we, that we have that. That came with the house. And then you know the the kitchen and the dining room table. And and what we're trying to send a message uh, to all of us, not just the kids, is the main thing we do together is create together, not consume together. And when we eventually got a TV, because uh, I tend to think t screens. I really hope people can keep away from screens for many years, but once the kids get older, it's fine. Um, it went in the basement. And uh, so we have to go down there to watch it and we have to go down there together. And it's, it's at the edge of the house. So you move the consumption and the devices to the edges and you move the things that really reward uh, doing things together, doing things that require us to grow, put that at the center. And you'd be amazed how just that, that rearranging of the furniture in a sense changes what family life is about. I think that's really helpful even for the young mom as she's crafting her space. She may be home yes. more or if you work outside the home, you know, you can put time into this on your weekends and think through it with your spouse on what do we what did we enjoy before kids? Because that's, I think, a key Ooh, thing is yeah. what are we passing down legacy really? that was a part of our relationships or our personalities or even our families? Uh, my family wow. is a big board game family, so I've always invested yes. in a lot yes, of board yes, games. Yes. And they actually are housed in a wardrobe that used to be in my bedroom, a wardrobe it. in the dining room, which does not yes. make sense. That is like total bad interior decorating. It's just it's a disaster <laughs> interior decorating. But they can open it up. They can put it straight on the table. I they probably use that table more for games than they we ever have dinner oh, parties. But I, love I think there's a Lego. My 
my front living room is covered in Legos, but it's oh, yes. constant creating. And I have to be okay with the fact that no magazine is going to call and ask to take pictures of my home right now. <laughs> this I is not. Step on Legos, they which will. is just one of the worst parts of being a parent is stepping on a Lego with your bare foot. Oh, the worst. The absolute. Everyone knows what you're talking about. They can feel it. They're, they're just cringing. <laughs> uh, and we had a piano because it was my thing. That's what uh-huh. I'm bringing. And so for moms uh-huh. to not lose their identity, their gifts, their interests, and thinking it all pointed towards the kids, bring them along. Show them that you like to crochet. I like to sew. So I have taught my boys how to sew. They're like, they want to design a monster. They draw it out and I'll sew it and piece it together and we'll stuff it together. And they think that's like the best activity, but that takes time. Yes, (laughs) And that takes me not like rejecting my interests. Uh, and actually inviting them into them. So just be encouraged, young moms, that you have a lot to bring to the table. I love nature. I used to take the boys on walks every afternoon after naps, um, and we would talk about the outside. But I didn't really grasp how much they would love it until my boys were at a classical school and took nature studies. And my third son is obsessed with every living creature. In fact, a snake he found in the backyard got lost in our house and it was just discovered this morning so is this my ideal no is it comfortable and convenient and really pretty no but it's, oh but it's real life it's and, real and life your kids, it is this for is sure. the, it's what's going to form them and i mean by the way boys I, again not exclusive to boys girls do this too but uh you know that love of dinosaurs, like knowing the name oh, yes. of every dinosaur that ever existed. Those that are four-year-old can be applied. boys. Four-year-old boys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that can be applied to trees, like learning every mm-hmm. tree, learning every kind of grass even. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of the problem is our suburban neighborhoods are just way less complex than the natural world used to be and still is when you get outside of kind of manicured neighborhoods, but there's still so much to see. Um, and for the kids to learn and learn the names of all the things, I mean, kids find that really rewarding. They do. There's an entire year that they learn all the trees. There's an entire year. They learn all the birds, mammals, um, and they do a project on it and they, you know, they, they learn all the different features and why is that bark like that? And why are the leaves like that? And, what kind of seeds? Yeah, it's definitely the options are out there, but I think the key is it takes work and time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. one thing to bring up, I, I'm curious about your thoughts since you do a good job of top-down thinking is I know for myself, um, one of the reasons I don't put time or energy into those things anymore as much as I did when they were little is mm. I'm finding myself exhausted. And one of the reasons I'm finding myself exhausted is the constant demands placed on me that are not my children. But this little device in my hand and it requires me to set boundaries. But even that I have a hard time with. I'm really struggle to set the boundaries I know are most healthy for me, not checking it first thing in the morning, not being on it constantly. But when those are all coming at me and those demands are being made of me, I'm feeling sucked dry. So I don't have the energy or time to put towards the more meaningful things. Yeah, I and in the TechWise family, I talk a little bit about how we were made for work and rest. Mm. That's God's intention for his his for all creatures. Actually, I think in some sense, but especially for us um, human beings. Uh, and instead, what we've ended up with is toil and leisure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. instead work we have toil and toil is like this it's it's like fruitless work and so much of what comes in at us in these kind of unfiltered um 
you know, even, I mean, I'm, I have to say in some ways I'm grateful for email. Um, it, it has, it allows me to be productive in some ways. Um, but it also makes it very easy for people to make demands of you yeah. and yeah. same with other, other kinds of media. Right. And so what you end up with is fruitless work, which is toil. And then you're just kind of spent by it when you do, when you do really good work, which also involves like your whole self, heart, soul, mind, and strength, ideally together. Then at the end you're tired, but when you toil at the end, you're exhausted, which is a different thing. Mm. And then instead of having the rest we're meant for, which is this rhythm, I think of nightly rest. And uh, this is part of why in the book I say no phones in bedroom is for anybody because we need real rest every night. But then every weekend or you know every seventh day we need rest. Instead of that, what we settle for is leisure, which is basically entertainment. And and the problem is it doesn't really refresh us. Um, and you know you know that feeling. And of course, now all the streaming video uh, apps are so good at offering you the next episode right away. And so you binge watch this stuff because you're sort of exhausted from your day of toil. But then at the end, you feel like queasy (laughs) and you you are not refreshed by it. Mm -hmm. So we've got to reclaim uh, the, the, the principle of stopping, which is Sabbath and that uh, and so for me, the biggest thing I did writing this book uh, is just such a small thing, but it really changed my attitude all day. Is I, I we have our phones downstairs. We don't have them in our bedrooms. We've done that for a while. But I used to go downstairs and while my first cup of tea was brewing, pick up my phone and like scroll through whatever was there, which generated you know anxiety, outrage, elation, whatever, but not Comparison. healthy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, for women, I I feel like I'll lift okay. it up and I'll immediately feel left out oh, or man. comparison or jealousy or whatever it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I decided I'm not going to touch that thing until <laughs> I'm outdoors. So I, I make my cup of tea and I walk outside and, and some days I only spend 10 seconds outside. Maybe it's raining or something, but it has changed my heart. Honestly, just mm. those few moments of walking outside, being a creature in God's creation, just right outside my front door, smelling whatever the air smells like that day, feeling cold or feeling hot and humid or whatever it is. And, um, it's just this one little moment of Sabbath. And for the first two weeks I did it, this is like the one third principle. Every morning I would like feel this urge to reach for the phone that I'd have to like almost physically restrain myself. And then something flipped after two weeks, I went down one morning and I looked at the phone. It was as if the phone was saying to me, you could pick me up. You could see what I have to say. (laughs) And I felt this like physical sense of revulsion, like no way do I want to start my day with that. I want to start out in God's creation. And, um, I, it, it, it's strange how small a thing that is, but how big a difference it's made. And I actually think that's the principle of Sabbath. It's not about turning it off all the time. Um, we probably should turn it off more often than we do, but it's more about having this rhythm where I know I'm not a slave to this thing, uh, but I actually choose when to interact with it. And I choose to have this rhythm of disengagement that reconnects me with real rest and with who I really am in God's image. It's really good. And for all the people that are asking this question in their head, but Andy, how do you know when to wake up in the morning if your phone is downstairs? How would, what did, what did we do without our phone as our alarm clock? I had a mom actually text, you know, in the messaging on Instagram say, but my kids say they need their phones in their room for their alarm clock. Oh my gosh. So I, what's an option, Andy? Amazingly, amazingly, there are still alarm clocks being made. 
and the best, I, I really think you, uh, I mean, I try not to be alarmist, um, or, or emphasize the negative and the limits. Um, <laughs> I think this conversation has been really representative of what I think are the most important things, but yeah. I have to say phones in bedrooms are horrible for kids. They're not good for adults. They're horrible for kids and they disrupt sleep all night. Messages are coming in from their friends who they want to stay connected with. Um, you really, you really must buy a simple one function thing for your child called an alarm clock. Uh, and, and, uh, the phone and, and the parents need to do this too. Uh, it's just not healthy. It's not healthy for the marriage relationship. There's just nothing. <laughs> I, a friend of mine recently got engaged and, um, his uh, fiance, she gave him a card that said, I can't think of anyone I'd rather spend the rest of my life sitting in or uh, lying in bed, staring at my phone next to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like, this is not what we need in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, so this is like one area where I do feel kind of almost legalistic, like really, <laughs> it will just serve you and your kids so much to buy a few alarm clocks. <laughs> I bet we could Amazon Prime them. This episode sponsored by Amazon Prime. Um, I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you, Andy. I really do. I know that you're putting yourself out there. I know there's one of your commitments in there that says no to. Uh, what did you say? No technology, no devices till double digits. And some parents uh-huh. may read that and throw the whole thing out. Which this oh, is gosh. not a throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> situation. That's what y'all chose for your family, and if yeah. they've already given a screen to someone younger than double digits, it's not a like fail game over. Not at all. And the great thing about kids in particular is they, they change and grow so fast. And so you just make, even if you've made choices that you you know, might wish you hadn't or want to rethink, you just start changing some of these other things and kids will grow along with that. Like they're so primed to flourish. Right. So there's, it's amazing how hard it is to really mess them up. <laughs> and you can't uh, go off of whether they're pleased or happy. This well, isn't like a, I'm just want to make them happy. So all their friends have a phone, so I should buy them a phone. All their okay. friends play Fortnite. So we should play Fortnite. All their friends, X, Y, and Z have Snapchat. So I don't want them to miss out. Oh man. We have to be, I mean, one of the things we have to be willing to say over and over to our kids is our family is different mm-hmm. and, uh, and that, but they need that anyway. Like you do not want your child to not have, not be able to say, I, my family is different at moments when it's not just something relatively neutral, like a, a video game that, you know, you could take or leave, but th- there's going to be all kinds of pressures on them over the course of their life, starting way too early that you want them to say, my parents taught me that our family is different. And maybe they taught me that with some things that are relatively neutral, but still, this is how our family has chosen to do this. And we're just different, but you want them to have that strength of and clarity of will when things come along that are, are really uh, not good for them and not good for other people. And that will come way too early in their lives and it'll come well into their adult lives. And we need a whole generation who can say we're different. So good. You're training them up in that ability. Mm. I think that's really wise. Oh my goodness. And I totally didn't follow any of the questions I sent you. FYI (laughs) listeners. Andy just went (laughs) off the cuff with me. Um, But where can people find you online? They want to keep following you and read your other great books. Well, my, I have a website. Uh, it's just my name, Andy Crouch, C-R-O-U-C-H, with a dash. So andy-crouch.com. And that has 
the four books. I don't know if they're all great books, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to share them. And uh, and the only social media I'm really on anymore, well, I'm kind of on Instagram, but really I'm on Twitter, if you do Twitter, AHC, is where I share just what I'm thinking about from time to time. And then sometimes I go on long fast from it and disappear. But uh, <laughs> anti-crouch.com is the easiest place to find me. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time and helping us think through this in a greater way and to not just follow the trends, but to think intentionally for our own families. So I appreciate all the time and effort you put into this. Wow. Thank you so much, Heather. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Don't you feel a little bit smarter (laughs) for that conversation talking about authority and vulnerability and work rest versus versus leisure and toil and the one third principle and the oh my goodness so many things all the different commitments creating space and sabbath and i'm just praying that one idea one idea spurred something that's going to fit for your family because like i say every week i am sharing information with y'all i'm connecting you with resources but Never, ever, ever feel the burden that everything I share is for every family. That is for you and God to talk through and with you and your spouse to consider what's right for our family and what's not. But I love information and I love connecting. And so it is a joy to bring you any resources I can to help your family function and to honor God most because there's not a formula for a perfect kid. There's just not. And I was even reading in Isaiah 5 last week how God set up everything for Israel to thrive and for good fruit to grow. And he he gives the analogy of a vineyard, how everything was made perfect for this vineyard. And he planted these vines and he got wild grapes. And Israel went astray. And the people of Israel, the people of Judah, they sought other gods and idols. And as parents, we cannot put the burden that it is our job to make everything perfect so that our children are perfect. We can provide the environment. We can provide the space. We can plant seeds and we are not guaranteed perfect, beautiful fruit. So I don't know if that encourages you or not, but take these things and process them through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I did want to mention real quick before I get off this show, Summer of Mentorship. We are starting it back up. If you are a part of a church group or you already have a GCM podcast club, just know that we'll be releasing the next segment of six-week Summer of Mentorship episodes. Um, The first one will go live June 18th. That's after Father's Day. And I'll go for six weeks and we'll give you all the discussion questions. We're working on getting those ready now. My VA, Sarah Jane, and I are working on that and... uh, And we just hope that it is a space and a time for you to gather with moms this summer and be encouraged and be reminded of the truth of who God is and who he says you are. And these wonderful women that I've chosen to speak into our lives this summer. Remember, Summer Mentorship is a rehashing of old episodes. I basically take old episodes and I republish them on the podcast and it gives me a little break. I'm planning to take a Sabbath during that time in the summer when all my boys are home. And it gives you all just a reminder of the good things that have already been on the podcast that you may have forgotten or maybe missed some of those episodes. And um, these are just women that I have found to be really wise and have gone before us. So 
That is coming June 18th. Watch out for that. And if you don't know what a GCM podcast club is, you can go to godcentermom.com forward slash podcast club to learn more and you'll see there's a place there to sign up and to find out what it is. It's very organic. You pick the people, you pick the place, you pick how we you meet and it's like a book club where you but instead of having to read, you listen to a podcast episode and discuss it with your girlfriends. All right. I think y'all are amazing. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, I praise you and thank you for Andy and his work. I thank you for the opportunity we have to shepherd our family's time and the space that you've given us and to to store that well with making choices that honor you, that we can help model for our kids, creating and the culture in our family that is for thriving and not um, just consuming. I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and direction so that we can honor you best in how we spend our time and our resources. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great week, y'all. Week, y'all. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.